Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1,000 Recordings podcast, episode number 38. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with me every week, as always, is the experimental Mitchell Davis. What's up? Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, the time change, you know, messed with us this morning, both. Um, and uh, it's, but it's going good. It's going good. Yeah, I, I realized, you know, once once that whole thing comes through, I, so many people hate it so much. Uh, <laughs> and it's just one of those things where it's just like, I, I understand, you know, the kind of, kind of understand the why. But uh, man, it's it's just like always kind of, especially the spring forward where you lose that hour. It sucks, dude. It sucks. It I does. hate losing an hour. It does. I mean, it, you know, you have more more light during the the end of the day, which I, I really appreciate that, especially during spring and summer. But uh, you know, I, sometimes I just wish they would just leave it one way, and and this is like you know the stop. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's kind of funny because. Uh, so many of our clocks and devices now like update automatically, but mm-hmm. then others don't. So I woke up and I was thinking, you know, is this the right time? Am I an hour off? And it's just kind of funny that we're we're covering a song this week called "Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is?" That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that song had special meaning for me this morning. But anyway, uh. So this week we're going to talk about five new albums from Tom Moon's book, uh, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. We're going to start with Old and New Dreams by Don Cherry, Dewey Redman, Charlie Hayden, and Ed Blackwell. And then we're going to move on to Vic Chestnut, his album, Is the Actor Happy? Then Chic, Say Chic. After that, Chicago, the Chicago Transit Authority, and then we're going to end with the Chieftains, uh, their album, The Chieftains 4. So uh, a lot of diverse stuff this week. Let's get right on to the first album, Old and New Dreams. Um, This is a group comprised of, as I said before, Don Cherry, Dewey Redman, Charlie Hayden, and Ed Blackwell, released in 1979. And these were all alum of Ornette Coleman's group from the sixties, a sort of free jazz experimental jazz group. Um, and you know, they're all like really badass players. Um, mm-hmm. they're all legends of jazz in their own right. They've all played many, many different styles of jazz, uh, through the years. Um, kind of almost all of which you can hear on this record. You know, mm-hmm. you can hear snippets of the experimental stuff. You can hear snippets of bebop. You can hear snippets of fusion and world music and um, all kinds of stuff on this uh, one record. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, you know, just a, a really extraordinary group of talent where, you know, the, the visions are not, you know, you know, singular in any means, but they all kind of have this this wavelength, if that makes sense, where, you know, and that that, that kind of will carry through with a lot of jazz musicians where they can kind of meld what they all bring to the table. 
and, and really make it make it special. Uh, and that's that's really what I'm, I'm taking from especially from this recording, because like you said, there there's so many different elements. I mean, you know, you, you definitely hear, you know, the, the experimental and, and the world music elements. Um, but it, it, I mean, it's just amazing how how jazz musicians can can come together and make pieces fit that, you know, may not on the surface seem like they normally would, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a good point to bring up for the uh, first track that we're going to listen to Togo. Um, Don Cherry in the early seventies had this flirtation with uh, studying Indian music and Don Cherry was like a very international dude. I mean, he was all over the place all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just trying to, you know, pick up new music, play with new people and learn new things. And um, in the early 70s, he went to India and studied Indian music. And in this track, Togo, uh, it starts with this kind of little rhythmic, like repeated patterns in the trumpet. Mm-hmm. But then it stops and Don Cherry starts enunciating uh, these Indian rhythmic modes and then that leads into uh, Blackwell, Ed Blackwell, you know, like playing rhythms on the drum set off of those Indian rhythmic modes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is a big kind of, it reminds me of, I don't know if you ever heard this group. Uh, remember this group, Shakti? Uh, no. Shakti was this group in the 70s, like a jazz fusion group. It was like John McLaughlin, the English guitarist. Okay, him I know. Yeah, and uh, this violinist, Indian violinist, Shankar, who like mm-hmm. later played with Peter Gabriel and um, and then like a tabla player and, and another Indian percussionist. Uh, and there's this one song on, the, uh, I think it's called Dance du Bonheur or something like that. Mm. where the two Indian drummers start off this tune like rapidly passing back and forth these rhythmic modes just with their mouths. Mm. Um, it, uh, it, I mean, really fast. Like, I mean, just back and forth. It's really impressive sounding. And then they like break into these um, rhythms, you know, on their percussion instruments. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminded me of that. I mean, but this is a little more, I don't know subdued or something but i don't know i just like this it was kind of a yeah a real fusion of indian music and you know uh jazz and well i, I totally agree I, I i love it too i mean it, it was really my first time being exposed to it and that the label i think that this record was recorded on was it was ecm which i think at the time especially during like the you know the, the maybe like late 60s 70s and, and through the 80s they released some amazing records. Um, it was just kind of like one of those meeting of the minds where all sorts of musics under sort of, I guess, you know, what you would consider a jazz umbrella would just bring their best. And um, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just, you know, totally amazed by the number of artists and, and records that have come out of that one label. And, um, you know, this is, you know, very typical of, of things that were released um, from ECM. Um, just just really awesome, awesome stuff. Groundbreaking stuff, I, I guess even yeah. you would say. so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Paul Blay album we uh, covered was ECM. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, Charlie Hayden and Don Cherry both got their start playing with Paul Blay in the 50s in L.A. That's one of their first gigs was playing with him in the 50s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let, I don't know. Let's just check this uh, first track out. Cool. All right. This is Togo from Old and New Dreams. And we just heard Togo from Old and New Dreams, and we're going to move on to Don Cherry's composition, Guinea. And, you know, there's really... These guys, I know, were always associated with Ornette Coltman and that, that free jazz tradition, but this tune, I mean, I there's really nothing free jazz about this tune. I thought this tune was... Uh, was really beautiful and mm-hmm. and cool at the same time. Um, yeah, it has a very polished, a very polished harmonic sound. Um, you know, just I, I mean, when I first started listening to it, I was like, man, that is that is amazing the way the way Don's horn sounds. I mean, you know, I mean, I instantly liked it from from the first couple of notes you know when it, yeah. when it first started um, yeah he plays that little piccolo trumpet it's got a really distinctive sound mm-hmm. and uh yeah. and he, he i don't know i, mean, I was really impressed with his musicianship like halfway through the tune uh don cherry puts his trumpet down and switches to piano yeah <laughs> I mean, he's a great piano i'm mean, like a great jazz pianist then then he goes right back to trumpet yeah. So I mean that's yeah that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and this I mean this is a record I I wouldn't I mean I don't own it but I would like to own it because it's it's that good just from the you know the first listening to it where I was like you know man this is just an amazing recording and obviously you know all the guys involved you know have had you know great careers separately but to imagine that they were all in this one collective together like this you know is it's incredible you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's it was just a record I was glad to be exposed to, you know, via the book. You know, I I, I probably never would have come across it. Well, maybe, but you know, yeah, not right. likely without this book. You know, just one of those one of those records. It's definitely a, a departure in, in a sense to where you know if if you listen to a lot of music and you just like the way things sound, you know, sonically, this is a great record 
to to put on and 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 get into you know yeah 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 yeah. one thing i liked about uh you know don cherry and dewey redmond soloing on here is they really kind of rein in their uh you know free jazz past i mean there's there's moments when they'll just start to go off you know but they always rein it back in and come up with some really kind of lyrical, beautiful melodies in their soloing, which is, uh, I really liked about this tune. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Well, let's check this out. Cool. This is second track from old and new dreams. This is Guinea. just heard guinea by old and new dreams and we're going to move on to our second album vic chestnut is the actor happy from uh released in 1995 and uh you know immediately when i heard this album it kind of reminded me of this other record that uh i think we were playing i mean correct me if i'm wrong here but i think we were playing we would play uh, at the record store that we worked at. Um, Daniel Johnston, remember? Him? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, this this is kind of reminiscent of that. Um, and and Vic Chestnut, I think, is in in a, in another way. Well, I don't know. I mean, because the the thing about about that record, and I'm trying to remember, if we're talking about the same record. Um, did he did he not have like a? Damn, I'm trying to remember one one of the songs from it. Um, 
did he not have like a sort of like a like the same kind of like folk rock sound yeah that that he had and then um it's there's one there's one song in particular from that record and i'm and i'm on the spot right now because i can't remember <laughs> there was one song in particular that stood out on that record um that that kind of made him like you know for a minute like a i guess a household name it is as big as household name he would have been but I, i'm not trying to get sidetracked but but yeah, I mean, I, I vaguely, I vaguely remember that record. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I should guess I shouldn't have sidetracked us like immediately <laughs> before we even talked about Vic <laughs> Chestnut. But um, yeah, yeah. Vic Chestnut um, is kind of a tragic figure. I mean, he uh, was paralyzed in 1983 in a car accident. I think when he was just 18 years old. Yeah. And uh, he was confined to a wheelchair. Uh, he had limited use of his hands, so he said that he could still play guitar, but he could only play simple chords. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, this falls under that singer-songwriter category. Oh, yeah. And I think we're both challenged in this category. I'm just going to come out and say it. And, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I, I would say that. And, and, and with him, I mean, at, at first glance... Uh, a lot of his stuff seems I don't, I don't want to say it's kind of a downer but it as i begin to listen more to him he he definitely had a, a unique perspective on on people and and the things that we go through not and it wasn't always it didn't always seem sad i mean some of his songs i mean they were they were actually pretty funny even though most of his stuff it, it seemed you know somewhat you know i mean kind of askew you know like this you know, you know, kind of look at humanity as, as not being, you know, all it's cracked up to be, so to speak, which right. I mean, obviously, you know, you look at his situation and where he, what he has to go through, you know, obviously that's, you know, that's going to come through first, you know, probably, yeah. you know, yeah. more than anything. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I wanted to, um, we had a sort of, I don't know if it was well. It was, it was a response to our uh, one of our podcasts um, from Mike Mish, who, who does the recording the recordings blog, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently he's a bit a fan of um, like uh, singer songwriters, and he's one of these people I think that gets it. I think we're we're people that have trouble getting it. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, so he 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 sort of took us to task about when we talked about Nico case. Did you read this? Uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, he, this is what he said. He says, finally catching up. Uh, when you took a break, I was complacent about keeping up with listening. <laughs> he said, just heard your ambivalent response to Nico case, which interestingly enough, just popped up on my iPod while typing her name. Of course, you guys were all eh, whatever about her. I was yelling at my radio driving to work today. Her voice is hauntingly beautiful. Her yeah. lyrics incredible. The songs shrouded in mystery, both in tone and production. <laughs> <laughs> it says, cracks me up how the indie genre tends to fall flat for you guys when it's my bread and butter, especially the alt country genre. Yeah. So, and you um, know, yeah. And you know, on the side of that, I, I don't mind if, if people yell at us. That's good. Because I mean, right. I want to know, you know, how people genuinely feel about the music they love because I do the same thing. I, I, I yell at my radio or, or, or television or whatever constantly about things that I, you know, tend to either agree or disagree with. So, I mean, yeah. I, I don't mind getting yelled at about something like that. Right. That's, well, that's, I thought it was good. I mean, and if that's what I told Mike, I was like, you know, 
I I kind of applauded him for uh, coming to the defense of one of his his favorite artists. You know, for sure. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, uh, I don't know. I thought I was a little more. I don't know. I didn't think I came across as that ambivalent or whatever. But I mean, I guess I guess I did. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and it's just I don't know. I, I have maybe you know we should maybe we should you know one of these days when we have like. A, one or two or more of these albums maybe we should have mike on just for to have like a, a different perspective i was just thinking the same thing i mean that that would be a great idea because i mean when i think singer songwriter i mean my my mind first goes to people like bob dylan or or joni mitchell you know the people that they get thrown out there you know initially first as, as some of the bigger ones but when you like you said when you go to a, like an indie sort of level you know you I, I I struggle, but even listening to this record, I mean, I mean, I think the guy, this guy's from Athens, Georgia, you know, he's got ties with a lot of musicians in the area, you know, Michael Stipe and, um, you know, widespread panic and, and, and some other people. And I mean, I, I, I try to, you know, be as, I don't know, as, as fair in my mind as I can and just, and just listen to it like I'm listening to anything else, you know, and, and it's either something that, that moves me or it doesn't. And I mean, this is one of those records where, I mean, you know, some of the tracks, especially some of the tracks we're, we're going to talk about, I mean, they're, they're good. And I mean, the guy, he definitely had a great songwriting ability and, and, and was really clever in, you know, some of the, the things that he would bring up subject wise. Um, so, I mean, and it's just one of those records where you, if you're into that, you know, it's it's going to hit you right away with, with, with us. Like you said, if we're, you're not really into that, you know, it may take a minute, you know, which right. that's fine. You know, it's just different strokes. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You know, the first uh, track that we're going to listen to, Sad Peter Pan, the lyrics, Vic Chestnut's lyrics are, to my ears, just not, they're not straightforward at all. I mean, it's... Uh, sometimes difficult to understand you know what he's talking about i think this song is like sort of a loss of innocence type song um but uh you know some lines are you know easier to understand than others and some are kind of funny and um Mm -hmm. like the one part where he says he just wants to be aaron neville and uh you know i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't would you think a, a sad peter pan I pretty much kind of like the same thing you you were going on about where it's just like a guy who he refuses to you know allow the the changes of of, of growing into adult life as you would to to change him so to speak and I, I mean that's that's kind of what I get I mean just definitely from the from the title it's just like you know I'm 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 gonna be you know in this state you know no matter what I mean it's just you know I'm I'm a grown man, but I'm still like a little kid, you know. And and I mean the the thing about the music itself, I mean because the the, the words are one thing, but the music itself, I mean it, it's it's just kind of one of those things where you you take folk and an, an electric folk and and toss the two together, I should say, or, or electric and folk, and um, it it kind of has a mood about it where. You know, it, it it's it's almost country, but not quite. And um, you know, like you said, the 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 lyrics are 
I, I, I don't know. Just it's it's one of those things where I I think he he himself as a as a songwriter was was probably you know taking something you know really really personal when he when he wrote it and and tried to put it down to where you know you know either you get it or you don't and um, you know I. I think it's I think it's pretty clear that we don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, I mean, we're so it's, bad it's, at the genre. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, um, it's it's. I mean, and even that's even with that, that's okay because, like I said, this is one <laughs> of those artists where it's for me, it's not right away. It's it's going to be something that it, I mean, it may take a minute, and that's fine. You know, if if people, you know, yell at us, like I said again, I, I can take it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, let's okay. Let's listen to this first one. This is uh, Sad Peter Pan by Vic Chestnut. heard sad peter pan by vic chestnut and we're going to move on to his song free of hope and uh this is uh you know uh, i like uh, vic chestnut's voice a lot i like uh just i don't know just the quality of it how it sounds um this is a little bit heavier i guess uh maybe darker than uh sad peter pan if you can imagine it getting darker than you know <laughs> sad peter pan um and it it does uh in free of hope and uh you know i mean it has lyrics like you know thank you god of nothing i'm free at last and it's pretty dark tune um yeah yeah and then some some sort of foreshadow i guess uh yeah possibly to um 
his uh, his sort of uh, ending in life, which I I, I think he uh, he took his own life. Uh, well, from, from what I read, it was accidental. Oh, it, when I read, it was an accidental overdose on of muscle relaxants that put him in a coma, and then he passed away. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. <sighs> Either way, you know, just you right. Know. Still, yeah, it's sad. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. very sad. Um, I like the reverb on the guitar in this song. Yeah, the uh, production's really cool. I like. I mean, it, it lends a whole um, sort of atmosphere and like very dark vibe to the whole song. Yeah. It does. It does. And I mean, it's 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 a moody record. And I mean, he was a moody guy, it seemed. But I mean. I'm sure people that that knew him would probably tell you, or well, you really didn't know him, and which I didn't. Um, but um, you know, it's it's kind of like one of those things where you 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 take what you you initially will get from from listening to his stuff, and and again, you know, without this book, this is another one of these artists that I probably would have never you know come across, you know, and especially the way we're doing now, you know. Um, but interesting, you know, enough to where I would want to keep going and, and listen to more of his records, which he, I mean, 17 records, I think he had quite a few. Um, uh, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so yeah, the, yeah, I had a work ethic, you know, yeah. I mean, especially for someone who's, you know, apparently was somewhat disabled. I mean, it didn't really didn't stop him, you know? Nope. But, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You want to check this out? All right, this is the last track from Vic Chestnut. Uh, this is Free of Hope. A chip on the shoulder usually means There's wood up above But no man at this shiny oblong table Is very, very fibrous Demographics I'm scorched and corn fed Leaning on the banister I knew it's just another 20, 20 years of sweat Making up his milk dud Chestnut, 
And uh, that's that's you know one of the genres, probably the the biggest one genre in this book that I'm endeavor to get better at understanding. So True. I I apologize to people that are real fans of. <laughs> <laughs> this genre or yeah. Vic Chestnut, you know, we're hey, not trying you know to what? slide them, but it, it could have been French opera again this week. So, you, you know. know, what's sad is like, well, I don't know if this is sad or not, but you know, I feel more comfortable with that <laughs> than, than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's move on to uh, our third album. Chic. Uh, their album is say chic released in 1978. And, uh, you know, I'd heard their big hit, Freak Out. I, You know, everybody's heard that, right? Yeah. Um, I'd never heard anything else. I just thought of Freak Out as just like a typical disco song from the time. Um, these guys were real. They were great musicians. Oh, yeah. I was really surprised by this album. I've never heard the album all the way through. Like I said, Freak Out was the only song that I've heard. Um and, uh, you know, I mean, it turns out that I've heard more of their stuff through samples. Oh, yeah. That I did, sure. Yeah, that I didn't know was theirs. But, uh, yeah, Chic was formed uh, early 70s in uh, New York City by Nigel Rogers and Bernard Edwards, uh, guitar and bass. And uh, they were session musicians in New York City, sort of met doing the session thing and decided to put together a band, started as kind of a cover band, and move on to you know writing their own material and uh, became huge in the disco era uh and they were like i said really great musicians um probably the best musician band of that genre that i've heard that that is not you know far from wrong I, i would say even more so chic was definitely not just a disco band i mean they they came up for sure, in, in an era where disco was was king, or however you want to look at it, queen. Um, but you, again, you know, uh, now Rogers and Bernard Edwards, just the two of them had such great chemistry as musicians, um, where they played off each other. And then their their drummer uh, Tony Thompson, also. I mean, they were a tremendous band. I mean, they they made you know, I guess what you would consider dance or disco hits. But they were much more than that. I mean, if you all you got to do is look at Nile Rogers' production credits, even up to today, um, he is an amazing producer. I mean, Madonna, when she was about to, you know, sort of, you know, go full blown, you know, icon, he produced her like a Virgin album. Um, the work he did on David Bowie's Let's Dance. I mean, you know, Nile Rogers really is is a really smart, smart guy. I mean, when it comes to getting in the studio and making music. And I mean, the guy, he, 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 he has an amazing work ethic. I mean, just tireless, crazy work ethic, you know, where he's written all these songs and, and arranged and, and produced for tons of folk. And, and like you said, the, the, the one thing that she gets is that, you know, they were just a, sort of like this disco band that made this tremendous hit, which by the way, the, the song La Freak that, that they had the big hit with. Apparently, I mean, I didn't know this. It, it is the biggest selling song that I guess Atlantic Records has ever released. I mean, as far as overall general sales, 
I mean, no no song is outsold that that song. I think and it, it may be not just Atlantic Records. I think it may be, you know, the whole, you know, Warner Brothers, you know, umbrella, so to speak, you know, Warner, Electra, Atlantic, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was a massive I mean when you had, when you turn on TV, I can remember the one thing that made that that sort of weird to me back in the day on on the Jeffersons if anybody watched the Jeffersons I can remember George Jefferson singing that song on the show you know <laughs> and I was thinking to myself when you see something like that you know that a song has gone beyond what it what is originally intended to be was just a song on the radio you know so um but yeah they they had so much going for them in in the way of music that was beyond what disco normally would provide which was not very much <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah um the first track that we're going to talk about is savoir faire and uh the first thing that just jumps out at me man is just dude the bass lines mm-hmm. are just oh man just awesome yeah they're just gold yeah. You know, they, yeah, they're all the bass lines, bass solos, which you, you have. When do you ever hear people talk about, especially in pop music, the bass solo? It's always the guitar solo. But Bernard was so adept, if you will, at playing, you know, the bass. He got solos, <laughs> you know, yeah. where he, he would just stand out on his own and, and play. I mean, he was that good. I mean, and, and, and now, I mean, he obviously had a ton of guitar solos and, and rhythm tracks, but, but Bernard was, he was just as good. You know, it, it, I mean, just an amazing bass player to this day. I mean, okay, you go you go on talking about, especially the way Sheik was sampled. Um, good Times, which was a, a Sheik song, you know, that was a tremendous hit in itself. I mean, spawned Rapper's Delight, which was for a lot of people, one of the first rap songs they ever heard. I mean, that bass line, to Rapper's Delight was was Bernard Edwards. I mean, even though it was played by someone else um, right. at the time, right. I think it was it was replayed. I think Doug Wimbush, you know, who played with you know Liam Keller and some other groups, you know, they 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 spawned that hit, you know, from what he did. And I mean, their influence was was major. But anyway, um, yeah, just awesome bass lines, like you said, from from Bernard. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this this song savoir faire is an instrumental and mm-hmm. it's kind of a lengthy instrumental and it really it's kind of a it's not definitely not just disco i mean there's a disco flavor but um there's jazz in here and funk and r&b and a lot of uh you know this track nigel rogers gets to show off what he can do and you know guitar soloing and um you know it's a musician's track really oh yeah oh, yeah uh, so let's check this out. This first track from Chic. This is Savoir Faire.
just heard Savoir Faire by Sheik, and we're going to move on to their hit, I Want Your Love. Um, do, do it again. The only thing I can say is freaking bass lines mm-hmm. are amazing, yep. e- yep. even in this one. I mean, it really, the, the bass and the drums really just drive this music. Oh, yeah. The rhythm section is just so... Oh yeah, they're just so they, rock solid. Uh, yeah, the, they were probably the toughest rhythm section you'll you'll ever come across, yeah. especially for that period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can really hear how this band, you know, influenced a lot of later bands like Jamiroquai and, um, you know, I don't know, just just very influential. I was just I don't know. Yeah. I, I just brand didn't new, know brand new heavies, yeah. all all sorts of groups that kind of funk soul, you know, yeah. rhythm groups, Incognito. Uh, I'm pretty sure it took to you know lots of influence from Sheik. The one thing uh, that that always kind of moves me at the beginning of this song is the tubular bell that comes in and <laughs> plays the the uh, the rhythm for the chorus of this song. I've always loved that. I mean, who uses a tubular bell in a song like this? Nile Rodgers does. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, it, it just it, it works, you know. I mean, you don't even you don't even think for one minute that that it was a, a goofy idea, you know, to bring something like that, that in. I mean, it, when you hear this song, if you don't hear that 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 bell in the beginning, it doesn't sound right, you know. And um, like I said, now Rogers went on. I mean, you know, Sister Sledge, Sister Sledge was almost like Sheet, except they they had you know different vocalists. You know, it was almost like the same musicians, but. You know the Sledge Sisters, as it were. You know, which had, I mean, We Are Family was obviously another just a massive hit, and I mean, it was again in the disco era. But I, I mean, it, it's it's really kind of not fair to make it all about disco. It was just is that it was that period, you know, where yeah. you know you have certain things even going on now where everybody you know wants to you know manipulate their voice, especially if they can't sing and and sing through auto tune. You know, I mean, that, at that period, it was just everybody was into dance music and disco. And I mean, another person, Diana Ross, who uh, when she, you know, heard Nile Rodgers and, and, and what he'd done, I mean, he produced, you know, her album, Diana, which had another couple of hits that got sampled into the ground, uh, you know, Upside Down and and I'm Coming Out. I mean, those are songs that, that still get sampled. And um you know, Nile Rogers is really—he doesn't get a lot of credit for what he did with popular music then and right. now. And uh, you know, well, I think he does in the industry. You know, I think if you're in the industry, you know, but yeah. if you're not, you don't. That—that's the thing. I didn't know. I mean, yeah, he produced some of the biggest, most influential pop albums of the '80s, and I didn't know yeah. that. I mean, you mentioned Madonna, "Like a Virgin," and "Diana" by Diana Ross. He also produced uh, David Bowie Let's Dance. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was huge. I mean that yeah. that was one of those albums. That, I mean it was really Bowie's biggest, you know, money making selling album. I mean, and then Bowie even admitted. I mean he deliberately handpicked people like like Nile Rodgers because he says I want this to be like a a major commercial album. I mean right. which for right. Bowie is is saying something. I mean you know knowing his style. So right. Right, right, and, and uh, let's see, Power Station and Robert Palmer, Duran Duran. I mean, yeah, just a lot of big eighties. Yeah, artists yeah, pa- that he. Yeah, Power Station is that. That's something I'm. I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to, to throw that in. You know, Tony Thompson and and Bernard. You know, 
that was that was really on them where you know Robert Palmer and and John Taylor and Andy Taylor all kind of had this thing where you know initially from from the jump I was like when I heard about that back in the day I was like that is going to be crazy you know and I, I say Bernard it was it was really just Tony you know because I guess you know John was on the bass but um that was an amazing record I mean you know because Tony was just killing the drums on, on most of that stuff and I mean you know the the two guys from Duran Duran made that work that's you know they were just great musicians. I mean, they could they could take their talents and, and move them anywhere. You know, not just again, not just disco. Which, like I said, she gets that knock where you know they were just a disco band, and you know they were really more than that to me. Yeah, I agree, dude. Um, let's listen to this last track from Chic. This is "I Want Your Love." Your Love by Chic, and we're going to move on to our fourth album, Chicago Transit Authority by Chicago, released in 1970, uh, sorry, 1969. Um, wow. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Uh, yeah, 69. Um, and uh, I don't know, this album, you know, if you listen to this album all the way through, like from beginning to end, it really represents such a different time in the oh, yeah. recording industry, you know, where uh, record labels were open to experimentation 
and mm-hmm. people, you know, really stepping out and trying new things. Uh, there's there are things on this album that we listen to now. We're just like seem. I don't know. You'd never hear. I don't think a mix of this kind of stuff on an album that was released this year on a major label. Never. Oh no. I I, I think most most major record record company executives they would throw you out of the building if you came in with a record like this and played it to them. They would. Are you crazy? Yeah. You know. There's who how who are we gonna sell this to? How are we gonna market this? What kind of music? I mean, yeah, they would have a fit. <laughs> you know. Right, right. I mean, yeah, even uh, especially a track like Freeform Guitar, which we're not going to listen to, but I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. this, this uh, extended, uh, I don't know, electronic sort of sonic guitar improvisation. It's just like the title says. I mean, you yeah. know, and it, it was one of those things that their guitarist, I mean, even, even Jimi Hendrix, I mean, his attention was drawn, you know, by his playing. I mean, that that just kind of lets you know, you know, what what Chicago was was kind of really about. I mean, and, and and the irony of that is, I mean, not not to really downplay what Chicago, you know, kind of turned into later, especially in like the early '80s and even on the now, because I mean, their whole history. I mean, they'll they'll have an amazing legacy, Chicago, when it's all said and done. But it's really interesting to look back at how they began and and how they were more of a progressive rock band, more so than sort of the, the pop sound they have now. And, and again, not to not to knock that because they 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 had like some great music throughout. But this is so much more adventurous in a lot of ways than what they turned into eventually. And um I think another thing about them that I love, I love groups that have more than one singer. You know, they had three guys that were really able to handle all the vocals on a record, you know, any record, um, which is rare, you know, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be um, Terry Kath, the guitarist, uh, Robert Lamb, the keyboard player, and Peter Cetera, the bass player. So, yeah, yeah, they would all all trade off singing some would sing some songs and in some songs they would all sing like take turns singing and um, yeah yeah um we're gonna start with their track uh, does anybody really know what time it is and it starts out you know really i don't know i'd say kind of experimental something you don't hear on pop albums or rock albums um starts out with sort of an extended sort of free jazz piano solo. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it sometimes goes very out, you know, um, and uh, yeah. And then just breaks into this great song. That's very radio friendly, you know? Yeah, exactly. See, I mean, if you, if you hear the, the actual, the radio friendly part separate from the beginning, you think you were listening to two totally different songs. Yeah, yeah. And because I, I know the, the the first couple of times that you know I, I played it, I was like, "Did I put it on the right song?" Because this is not <laughs> what I remember hearing when I turned the radio. But that's what's great about them is that they were they were daring in a sense to where they they brought some ideas that you know record company at the time you know I guess was Columbia they were more than willing to let them go through with it. 
And and so many record companies now, not all, but a lot of them are, are not really willing to do that, uh, especially when it comes to a project where there's a lot of money invested. You know, there's like there's no way we can right. we can allow a record to come out and play as unusual as this sounds. There's no freaking way. Right. You know? Right. And I think a, a record company looking at this now would think of it immediately from a marketing standpoint. You know, and if, yeah. if you take this song, they're like, okay, do we market this to jazz fans? Because, you know, jazz fans are going to be into the beginning, but then it gets into the song part, and then they're going to, you know, be like, what the hell, this isn't jazz. Or do we market it to a pop audience? And then the the thing they hear immediately is some strange jazz piano solo, and they're immediately turned off. And um, I don't know. It's just... I mean, were people more open-minded at this time? I didn't well, know I didn't I, live in, during this time, but... I would definitely have to say yes. I mean, they must have been, because if you look at the era, I mean, 1969 to 70 even, and, and look at how music was then and look at it now, I mean, most, most of the records that would come out today that would sound like this would not be on a record label like like Columbia and that's not a knock on Columbia or maybe it is but I mean you know it's just the truth I mean this would this record would have come out on a smaller or an independent more likely label because it's just way different from anything you'd hear on the radio now I mean popular radio that is and I mean some of these songs like like beginnings you know I heard beginnings on the radio the other day I mean it's it's a it's an AOR classic rock you know, icon of, of songs, so to speak. And I mean, it, it's, it's one of those songs that it'll never go away. As long as you have people, you know, sitting down to, to get together or go to bars or, or travel down the highway, there'll always be room for a song like, like Beginnings because it's just one of those songs that, that kind of takes you away. And I mean, I think that's one of the things about this record that I love is that it really does a lot of it take you away. From, from the normal type of music you listen to, from, you know, maybe bad situations that you're going through at the time. I mean, you know, like and going back to beginnings, I know we're not going to listen to beginnings, but but when I hear that song, that's the feeling I get. I mean, it, it's almost like a release where I can just kind of, hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I can almost just like, wash away whatever it is this is one of those end of the work day songs you know that i like to hear in my truck when i'm getting off work and i've had a, a crappy day you know and i mean this this whole record can be like that it's it's just like a, you know I, i'm tired of the regular old grind give me something different to 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 get me away from from that you know yeah so right, cool man let's check out this first track this is does anybody really know what time it is
to the second track I'm a man and this is kind of uh you know the heavier side of Chicago I think this showcases uh Terry Kath you know the guitarist Terry Kath and his you know he had a uh kind of a harder edge oh yeah and an experimental side um uh you know almost uh what I consider like a <laughs> like a heavy metal or punk rock spirit, you know, of course those, those genres didn't exist when this album came out, but um, it's interesting to hear that, you know, how that affects their sound. And uh, it's interesting to listen to this. We kind of talked about this, but this juxtaposed with what they became in the eighties, which yeah. was like this, this like, power ballad factory you know like oh, like spearheaded by peter satara that that's 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 a perfect the the phrase you use the power ballad that and i mean again I, please please don't get me wrong chicago fans when i i compare the two genres but the, the beginning obviously is not like what they are now and i mean that's not a not it's just the truth but but okay um hard for me to say i'm sorry I mean, that's like the ultimate power ballad. And it has traces of the old kind of Chicago a little bit where that song kind of has a bridge that, that goes on and they 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 have like a like an extended part of that song if you ever heard that album that anyway. But it's it's nothing like it's nothing like this. I mean No. You know <laughs> No, not at all. I mean I just as an experiment, you know, I listened to this song and then just to hear the juxtaposition, I immediately went on Spotify and uh, listen to "You're the Inspiration." <laughs> I did I mean, that I, the other day too. <laughs> yeah, I can't. And I was listening to "You're the Inspiration," which is just you know just laden with all these you know '80s synths and and there's there's no horns and. Um, well, not, and that's not true. But the, the horns that 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 were on the old Chicago, they were blazing compared to to the horns here. I mean, the horns are still there. But it's it's on your the not, inspiration. Yeah, they. I mean, if you listen real close, there there are some horns, but well, it's, it's I think it's, they're it's more in the rhythm of the song. Yeah, I think they're pushed so far back. 
Exactly. Um, I mean, they're they're there, but it's not like it's not like the Chicago, the fire of, right. of the old school Chicago right. horns. Right. And it's just I was listening to it. I was just like, I can't believe this is the same band, you know, and it's almost like, uh, you know, getting back to I'm a man and, and you know, hearing that heavy edge of, of Terry Kath. Um, it's almost like his death in 1978 almost made possible the Chicago of the 80s, because I don't I don't know if, you know, if Terry Kath was still there and still had, you know, the strong, creative voice. I don't know if songs like You're the Inspiration could have happened. Well, I, you know? I wouldn't put it more on him again. It, going back to the disco and chic, I think it was just a changing of the times. I mean, the 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 early 80s was the you know, it was just such a fertile time for, you know, I guess what you would call soft rock, you know. And I mean, I can remember back in that period, there was a radio station here in, in Houston. Uh, it was 98 FM. They played, I mean, all the, the Carly Simon in Chicago and, you know, John, you know, James Taylor, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I mean, they would play it, you know, 24 hours a day. And I mean, it, it kind of, you know, brought on, you know, what you would hear now in most, you know, offices with cubicles and, you know, just kind of safe and, and, and soft and, right. you know, and I mean, again, that's, if that's what you like, that's fine. Find your peace wherever it is. But again, like you said, it, it was definitely, I would say a mix of the two, maybe his death. And I, like I said, the, the times that changed so much where, you know, if Chicago still wanted to, exist and make money and tour you know they had to do what they had to do you know and i mean they did a great job i mean they did a tremendous job i mean look at they sold tons of records once they went in that direction i mean oh yeah i mean mtv would play them vh1 would play them chicago i mean like i said their legacy i think is still intact you know as a group even now that they tour and i something i wanted to bring up is that the whole thing with having groups with multiple singers and, and changing styles. Another group that kind of reminds me of Chicago is the Commodores, where when they started, they were more of kind of like a funk, you know, you know, grooving type band where they, they would just jam. And then as, you know, you know, vocals between two singers, you know, Walter Orange and Lionel Richie begin to kind of offset their style changed the same way almost where Lionel Richie began to take over the the singing mostly and they went into you know ballads away from kind of funk jazz I mean I mean if you look at the Commodores and you listen to Brick House and then you come forward a little bit and listen to a song like you know Three Times a Lady or, or Sail On they're really not the same Commodores and, and not to get away too far from Chicago but they're just two groups that remind me of each other I think they've even been on tour together at one point or another. So, um, yeah, yeah. Just, um, just the times change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The times change. I mean, and, and like you said, not, you know, no offense to, uh, fans of Chicago of that period, you know, but part of, I have to admit, you know, part of me, here's this album and then here's what they did in the eighties. And it, I don't know. It makes me kind of sad that they, <laughs> You know, it's just, it's so, it's so, it makes me kind of sad that they, that they lost that, what, you know, whatever it is that they had, you know, when they started out on this album. And I know there's, you know, again, there's a lot of factors and changing times and, oh, yeah. and all oh, that yeah. stuff. But, um, you know, I don't know, regardless, it's just, you know, my personal 
feeling. I don't know. But um, yeah, you know, this song, getting back to I'm a man, um, we get to hear all three singers so that they, they take turns, you know, so Lamb and, and Kath and Satara all sort of take turns singing on this track. So we get to hear all their voices. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a cool track. It's another one that was a hit you know, for them on, uh, on radio. And do you have anything else to say about I'm a man before we play? No, just, I know a lot of people have done this song. I mean, I, I can think of Steve Winwood and quite a few other people doing this tune. And I mean, you know, as far as vocals and I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great song, a great, a great way of, of looking at, you know, them at, at that point. And, and it's a great snapshot of, of that band and, and what they were about. Um, but you know, no, just I think we've we've rambled quite a bit about Chicago. Hopefully we won't we won't say anything to make anybody mad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is uh the last track from Chicago Transit Authority. Oh my god. <laughs> this is uh I'm a man. heard i'm a man from chicago transit authority by chicago you move on to we're going to move on to our last album for this week the chieftains their album chieftains four released in 1973 and uh this is a i think this is you know i'd heard quite a bit of chieftains before but it was later chieftains chieftains and, and i think i think chieftains has always been great um but you know in the 
late 80s and 90s uh, they definitely changed. You know, we're talking about Chicago and how they uh-huh. changed. Chieftains also changed. Um, they never abandoned their Irish roots. I mean, for for sure. Um, but th- you know, later in their careers, they really got involved in a lot of high-profile projects with really famous pop artists and and uh, artists of other genres. Um, they produced a lot of albums of you know, them with, you know, like duet type albums, oh, yeah. you know, them with, with sting and them with Pavarotti and them with Van Morrison, Van all Morrison the... and Bono and, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but this represents a time before they became super famous and before, yeah. you know, a bunch of pop stars knew who they were and all this stuff. And they were just playing, the really kind of pure Irish music. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you get to really hear their chops, you know, just as, as musicians, as Irish musicians and really get to hear this music, you know, and in its kind of pure form before it's been sort of popped up. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree with yeah. you. I think, I think the thing about this record, it, it calls back to the roots of, of what the cheapens are about where the period where this music first initially became uh, a thing, if you will, it almost sounds as if they could have been in that period and not in in a modern age where, like you said, their their sound became a little more watered down. Well, watered down is not fair. More polished because this sound is it, it sounds very very rustic. Almost as if they're they're just in a tavern getting at it, you know. Yeah. In the yeah. In the old, you know what? I guess, you know, seventeenth, eighteenth century. Um, just, just it doesn't sound like something that is is modern at all, which is great because you know they they seem to have tapped into um sort of a spirit of of Irish music like nobody else, you know. And I mean, maybe, you know, I would say, I mean, there was a group we we featured not too long ago from this book, and I cannot remember the name of that group. <sighs> but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, it'll come to me in a second. But uh, they they definitely have a sound not quite like the, the things that you were talking about before, where they, they have like all the different records where they duet. And I mean, that stuff is good. But this to me is it's like, you know, rootsy, you know, Irish folk music, you know. That that seems like it's you know five six hundred years old. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, one of these times when we have there's there are several you know Irish sort of Celtic albums in the book, and I'd really like to at some point if we can um, get Tom Moon back on here because that's one of the genre that's the one genre he uses an example that uh, he had trouble with. That was one of his as he said blind spots. And uh, I'd love to hear him talk about how he overcame that or if he did overcome it. Um, you know, because we were talking about our singer-songwriter blind spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we can make that happen at some point. But Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I would say on that, too, especially even with someone who's, you know, their life is is covering music like, like Tom. I mean, I, I've always been wary of people 
when I, I say what kind of music you like, they say I like everything, and I'm like, there's no way you like everything. Trust me, there's there's right, some things out right. there. I mean, if, if 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 I if I look hard enough, you know, I'll, I'll find something you don't like. <laughs> you know, I'm real good at that. So I mean, I, I'm never gonna tell people, oh, I like everything, or or I like a little bit of everything. I wouldn't even say that. I mean, so you know, th- that's something that you know, as you study. And, and you learn and you you kind of make this journey, you know, it's it's picking up different things. Like, oh, OK, that's great, because I'm 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 hoping, you know, to get to where I'm almost at my deathbed and I'm still discovering new things. I never want to stop discovering ever. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, yeah, I, I always let out a sigh when I hear the I like everything. Yeah, there's no freaking way. And usually, (laughs) yeah, usually what I found, and I'm not saying this is is the case with everybody, but usually what I what I find is that when people say, "Oh, I like everything," their everything is very limited. Um, Uh And uh, you know, it always reminds me of, uh, um, oh man, I think it was the Blues Brothers movie uh, where they go into this bar and they ask what kind of music they have, and then the waitress whoever oh, says, country uh, and western. says yeah we have both kinds country and western um, <laughs> yeah uh yeah <laughs> anyway um so the hey, that, first that that's funny i mean that what what happened with me with that i i tried to make the distinction okay what what's the difference you know it, anyway right. i'm sorry go ahead. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah um so let's listen to uh the first track uh Drowning, sorry, not drowning, uh, drowsy Maggie. <laughs> um, this is sort of a you know, just a just a fast paced, um, I don't know, I said just balls to the wall, you know, Irish, yeah, Irish that's, tune. That's the yeah. way to put it. It's 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 very frantic, and I mean, it's it's it is balls to the wall, if you will, if you could if you could apply that to Irish, you know, folk music. I mean, it's 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 very fiery, you know. I I can see you know people cutting a jig, if you will, to to this song, if if that even makes sense. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean it, it it's it is very full of energy, and and it seems like they're all like you know going full throttle on this song. So, um, and and I mean the 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 instruments that are being played. I mean. You know, mostly acoustic. I mean, probably all acoustic. You know, nothing's plugged into any sort of electrical outlet. You know, I mean, I mean, it just it's, but it's fiery nonetheless. You know, so yeah, yeah. Let's check it out. This is the first track from the Chieftains. This is drowsy.
man, we just heard Drowsy Maggie. There's nothing drowsy about that tune. No, not at all. <laughs> um, the second tune we're going to listen to is Lord Mayo. Uh, this is kind of a slower tune. Um, it features a drone. Uh, you know, there's no bagpipe in in Chieftains, but there is Ulian pipe, which is a similar instrument in the same family. Um, and these instruments produce a drone, and there's a like a drone in this uh, this tune, and it's got sort of a uh, I don't know, like a steady sort of rollicking beat in the fl- in the uh, frame drum that's played, and uh, sort of a beautiful melody in the flute. And it's a yeah, I mean it's a a beautiful tune. What did you think? Yeah, of Lord I, I love that that drone sound that you were talking about. That that that's amazing. I I could listen to that all day. I mean this there's something about that that I'm like, man, what is that? I mean, because I until you said it, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but I didn't know what it was called. And I was like, man, that sounds really cool, you know. And um, you know, like you said, really lovely, you know, just kind of you know pretty harmonies that go with it. I mean, you know, nothing too complicated, just, you know, just another side of them that obviously is not as, you know, you know, frantic and upbeat as the, the previous tune, but, uh, you know, you know, very, very nice. Um, I, I've never really been able to, to find anything about the cheapness that I didn't like. I mean, in the, in the period where we were in retail music, almost everything I listened to from them, I've been able to appreciate and um, they're just one of those those collective groups that they just seem to really have it together. I mean, you know, for what yeah. they do. Yeah. So, and another interesting, uh, amazing factoid was uh, 2012. Just last year marked their 50th anniversary as a band. Wow! Wow! That's amazing, <laughs> dude. That's that's totally amazing. I mean, we talk about all the time with amazement, you know, some of the, the rock bands that have had a lot of longevity, like Rolling Stones and, and others. And uh, I don't think any of them have been together 50 years. No, I mean, uh, what's already, you know, one of the ironies of, of the whole, you know, this week and, and the bands we have, I was just looking at, at something where the, the lineup of the group Chicago and, and they have this timeline of, of how the members have kind of come and gone and, and, and it was just interesting to see how how sporadic some some of the you know placement of members are. But, but you have a group like this, and I mean, fifty years—that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a very long. I mean, to do I mean, something like this, especially. I mean, it's yeah. I wow. mean, most marriages don't go fifty years. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's it's amazing. So. Uh, yeah, let's listen to this. You know, I I really like this music. I, I like Irish and Celtic music. I don't know why. I just, I don't know, just always kind of liked it. And Chieftains are definitely, you know, one of the best, one of the best at it, you know, yes. for sure. So let's check out this uh, last track from the Chieftains. This is Lord Mayo.
And we just heard Lord Mayo from the Chieftains, and that is going to do it for 1000 Recordings Podcast, episode number 38 for this week. If you would like to send us an email, and please do, send us one at 1000recordingspodcast at gmail.com. You can look at our website at 1000rp.blogspot.com. You can join us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 1000rp, and you can also join us on Facebook. Uh, Also on the website are links to all the albums that we listen to and uh, that you can go buy. And if you use our links, we'll get a little kickback from that. We also had uh, our first donation to the podcast Wow! uh, this week, which goes right into the fun for buying music. Um, the, the person that donated, uh, did not want me to announce their name on the air. They wanted to, uh, donate anonymously, but thank you anonymous donor for your contribution. And, uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast and help with the cost of, uh, buying music, you can head over to our website. That's 1000rp.blogspot.com and find out more information about that. And furthermore, you can, uh, follow links from our website to audible.com and uh, or just go to audible.com slash 1000rp and you can download a free audio book from audio uh, sorry audible.com uh, we've got a bunch of awesome books about music or books about anything um, and uh, we will get a kickback from that to help the show so uh, do it I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week on the show, let's see what do we have here. We have an album of Sonny Chillingsworth. Chillingworth. I've never heard of the dude. Um, endlessly. Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Hawaiian music. Yeah, Hawaiian. Cool. Yeah. Uh, then we have several albums of uh, 19th century composer and pianist Frederick Chopin. So we have like uh, ballads and scherzos, piano concertos number one and two, and his nocturnes. Yeah, nocturnes. I'm I'm vaguely familiar with that 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 cover, and I don't know why. I guess I'm gonna have to find out. Yeah, yeah. And then we will end with uh, jazz guitar legend Charlie Christian. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that stuff. That's gonna be uh, some cool stuff to get into for sure. Cool. All right. And. Uh, yeah, any any parting words from you before we go this week? Uh, no, I think uh, recording uh, from my garage is, is going to be a, a new habit. So uh, <laughs> that was that was that's been interesting. But uh, it's good sitting and talking and, and getting together to talk about music once again. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again very soon. Okay, man. Well, we will return next week with a. Uh, some interesting new albums and until then we'll see everybody later great bye everybody